Hey, we've got the way to make any chicken, pork, or turkey you're making so much better. It's called brining. <laughs> it is. This is the podcast Quick, I'm Bruce and Mark, and I'm Mark Scarborough. And I'm Bruce Weinstein, and today we're going to tell you all about brining, what it is, and how to do it. It is how to be a pro. If you're going to brine, wow, you have really upped your kitchen game. So, first of all, what is a brine? Brine is a saltwater solution. You've heard the ocean called the briny deep <laughs> because it's salty. Yes, that's right. Now, a culinary brine is not as salty as the ocean. No, not so much. It's made by dissolving kosher salt in water. And the reason we're going to insist on kosher salt here in brining is, A, kosher salt does not have the iodine that is added to most table salt. And kosher salt has all kinds of minerally complex tastes to it. And that's really important. I know you, you flew over that, but let's really emphasize that you can cannot brine properly with table salt. No, it doesn't really work as well. It doesn't work as well because it just adds way too much of a kind of metallic flavor to what you're doing. It's really, really honestly, go for kosher salt. And besides, kosher salt is the best way to get crunchy salt on your table. You don't have to buy fancy sea salt, just buy kosher salt. Okay, so now let's give the basic ratio for a brine. How much water to how much salt? All right, well, the basic ratio is for every gallon of water. Now, we're going to go in U.S. measurements here. So every gallon of water, you want to use a cup of kosher salt. Or if you want to go smaller, basically, you every cup of water is a tablespoon of kosher salt. That's the basic brining schematic. So you have basic. this salty liquid, and you are going to soak your food in the salty liquid so that it gets juicier when you cook it and it tastes better when you cook it but what foods are we going to brine not everything is appropriate to stick in that salty solution well i want to wait wait i'm going off script because i want to go back because uh, i said that thing about kosher salt and a cup of salt and a gallon of water a tablespoon of salt and a cup of water that i skipped one pit and i want to go back that is you must make sure the salt is dissolved you want to stir it until it's dissolved in other words you I don't want that was a given i know but you don't want a pot of water and then the bottom just covered with salt you no, you want to stir now stir a lot till it dissolves a lot of recipes for brines tell you you must heat them first mm. now the reason if it's just salt and water heating it is just to make the salt dissolve faster there's Correct. no other reason Correct. we're going to get into other ways to flavor a brine later and when you do those things, you'll have to heat it. We'll talk about why then. Okay, so what about a brine? So here's what you don't brine. You don't brine fish. Oh, I want to brine. I want to brine clams. I want to brine clams. So salty. And you don't brine shellfish. And in general, you don't brine beef in general. Why is that? Uh, beef is usually cooked to rare, and you're not going to brine anything you're cooking to rare. Or at least medium rare. Right. Or you're going to cook beef a long time until you get collagen melt. You're going to go one extreme to the other. Right. And neither of those extremes are what you want to do with brining. Now, people do brine before they smoke. They brine briskets and that That's kind of called thing. corned beef and, and then you're making pastrami. Right. So we should say that there. it's not that you never brine beef, but for most home cook purposes you don't brine it what you're looking for is things that get cooked until they're well just to put it bluntly done but not collagen melted we're talking about roasted things things that get juicy and delicious but you're not looking at rare so we're looking at pork roasts 
We're looking at chickens. We're looking at turkeys. What else are we looking at? We're looking at game hens, quail, pheasants, any bird. And the reason this is – So basically I, birds and pigs. That's what we're brining. Yes, that's birds right. Birds and pigs. And we're going to talk about why this is in a minute because there's actually a subset to this. But we are talking about birds and pigs. Now, again, I just don't want anybody writing us in. I, mean, I want to say, yes, there are people who brine beef for various reasons. And we are not speaking of smoking here. Smoking is all whole different game from brining right yeah it's it is a, but i mean it's not it's connected to brining but I mean, it's a whole different technique that then involves brining. Right. i want to go off script again one second because one thing we didn't mention is that the other thing you don't brine is kosher meat kosher birds kosher chickens kosher turkeys yeah kosher pigs you definitely don't brine, brine the kosher pigs. yeah don't ever brine a kosher pig because but. to kosher <laughs> please don't write in <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> to kosher a bird, to have a bird be kosher, it is salted. It is rubbed with salt or soaked in a brine before, because it helps draw out all the excess blood from the animal, and that's part of the tradition of koshering meat. So kosher meat's already pre-brined. It's salty already, right. so you don't want to brine kosher turkeys, kosher chickens. And at least the Christian and the pair didn't say anything about brine, kosher pigs or brine. I mean, come on. Um, at least I never got there. You know, <laughs> I, 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 when, when, Bruce, when, when I met Bruce, I thought the best part of being gay was that you doubled your wardrobe. What does this have to do with brining? I'm gonna tell you, but um, well, I thought the best part of being gay was that you doubled your wardrobe in any relationship. And then I met somebody who is six inches taller than I am, and we can't share clothes, and we don't share clothes, which seems really ridiculous. But what I did learn is that in this relationship, I doubled my vocabulary because <laughs> I had no ideas about things like machatunum and fatutst, and I don't know what I, I like. I got this giant vocabulary that it got added to me. So, so the person here who taught me fatutst and machatunum is the person who's talking about kosher pig. That's where this is all going back to. <laughs> There's no Lord. such thing as a kosher pig. No. No, no, There no. is not. Even I am offended. So the two tips here is— It all depends on how they feed it. Yeah, that must be it. The two tips here is— uh, you've got to use a non-reactive container. So think about plastic, stainless steel, glass, ceramic. Yeah. I've seen Bruce brine whole fresh hams in giant plastic tubs. But I don't know that I recommend that. But I have seen it happen here. But giant stainless steel God, things. At this point, glass, who, who has ceramic. reactive pots anymore? That's like tin line things or copper things. Well, or but you could. You don't it, want to use aluminum, right? Well, aluminum no, is reactive. No, but if you're going to brine a few chicken legs, let's say, you could put them in a bowl with a ceramic coating that is actually reactive or you could put them in a in another kind of container that is reactive in some way maybe because it's got decoration on it mm -hmm. etc so you, lead paint here we go back to that lead paint question well yeah so you don't want to do this because the salt will leach harmful chemicals out of it and let's say that a lot of pit masters and fancy people brine right at room temperature this is not recommended no when we brine we put it in the refrigerator for safety sake is quite honestly salt is in there as a preservative and slows down bacteria growth but there's not
not enough salt to really protect it. So, in fact, I brined a chicken yesterday for dinner that I roasted, but it was 35 degrees out, so I put that pot of brined chicken <laughs> on the back deck, and it just sat out there all day. See, there are benefits to living in New England. And no bears came up and <laughs> ate it off the back deck, so that's also a benefit. So we're not talking about smoking, so what do you do with a brined piece of meat? So mostly a brined piece of meat is going to be grilled, it is going to be roasted, or it is going to be pan sautéed. It is not. And broiled. Oh, yes, yeah, broiled is another one. broiling. I know. I always forget about broiling. I don't know why. I think okay. it's like my grandmother. Everything was broiled. Oh, well, that's because she was machatunum. <laughs> um, so, so, but or maybe she was mashukana. Okay, so we got sautéing. Well, that she was. <laughs> We've got sautéing, broiling, roasting, pan searing. <laughs> What did you not hear me say? What are we not doing with brined meat? We're not stewing, braising, or poaching. I'm just, I'm sitting here thinking about all the ways I can say mishugana and kepi. Um, <laughs> he said kepi. <laughs> so anyway, um, sorry. I'm trying to think of all the Yiddish words I know and throw them out as fast as I can. Kepi um, is a Yiddish word you know. <laughs> it is. So we're not talking about for stewing. And the reason here, stewing, bra- uh, braising, or poaching, is because these things will, in fact, leach salt into the broth or liquid that the thing is cooked into. If you've soaked up something in salt, it's going to start giving off that salt. Basically, when you're grilling or roasting or broiling or pan frying, that salty stuff that's coming out is going into the pan or down the grill grates or wherever, and it's evaporating or going away. In a braise, it has no place to go. The point of brining is to keep food juicier. Mark will get to that in a second when he tells you the science of it. But the point of this is we're keeping meat juicy. And you don't worry about that when you're braising. That's right. That and and the other thing is that most braises are taking these cuts, like poultry and pig, up above collagen melt. That's you're now you're going back up above collagen melt, and you don't necessarily need to brine for that. I know some people, of course, braise kosher chicken. Well, of I mean, course, of course, but, but you don't add salt to that recipe. Wow, it's so salty. So what does it do in a nutshell? This is all about, I'm going back to biology from ninth grade. This is all about osmosis. And a salt solution is denser than the water that is packed into a meat's fibers and its cells. It's a denser solution. Based on the pressure differential between the two, the salt water kind of floods those cells, pumping them up with more water. And basically, they can't be overcooked. Basically, you're adding water. You're sticking it in by the process of of osmosis. Does it add too much sodium? Well, it does have a little, but actually not as much as you might think. It's the salt itself, the mineral, that does not easily penetrate the cell's walls. While the liquid does, the salt itself doesn't. It's all based on pressure differentials. So the salt mostly stays back in the liquid around the cell or around the cut of meat and doesn't enter the cell itself. So it's actually not as much salt going in as you might think. But enough salt to make it delicious. Yes, of course. So the water slips inside, the cells get plumper. Now they can withstand the heat better because when they get over the heat, they start releasing their moisture, as cells do. You know, right, all the drips on your grill. But now there's more to release so that when your cut of chicken is done on the grill, 
there's still moisture left right. inside of it. Before we actually tell you how to flavor the brines, as we talked about that earlier, I just want to say this is a great time to say subscribe to this podcast. Um, we love subscriptions. The more people that listen, the more people that listen. And rate the podcast, please. We would appreciate a rating from you if you like what you're hearing. It would be great. And uh, I promised already to dance at all your weddings, so I don't know what I'll do for you. Uh, maybe the, the rewards have to get bigger. But anyway, yeah, so let's talk about flavoring. Now, we said earlier that you can add flavorings, that it doesn't just have to be salt that you're adding. And I talked about how then you have to heat it. So here's the deal. If you just use salt and water, you're adding salty, you're adding salty flavor to the food, and that's really delicious. But you can add other things to your brine, right? Yes, you can. You can add bay leaves, cloves, juniper berries, all spice berries. I'd advise crushing up most of these things. Citrus zest, sprigs of all kinds of fresh herbs, lots more than you think. You can add all of this to the pot with the brine. And what you're doing is you're flavoring the water that is going to get trapped in the cells. But the only way you're going to flavor that effectively is to heat it up. Because if you just drop a rosemary sprig or some peppercorns into the cold water you dissolve the salt in, you're not getting any of the flavor oils dissolved out of those ingredients, and nothing much is going to happen. So Everything is oilier when it's hot. So Just think about people on deck chairs on cruise ships. (laughs) Everything is oilier when it's hot. So in that case, you put your brine in a pot over the stove, you add your other ingredients, you bring it to a boil, then you have to let it cool completely. And this is really important. It must cool completely back to room temperature before you add the pig or bird into it. That's right. Because for food safety, you cannot put that meat into a hot brine. Right, because you will eventually end up with bacterial growth. You can also alter the brine in the liquid. It doesn't have to be water. It can be the most common one is unsweetened apple juice. And you can just substitute one for one water for unsweetened apple juice, and you'll have a much sweeter tasting brine with the salt, a more sweet and salty finish. I've seen recipes with unsweetened cranberry juice. I can tell you I've never tried one, so I don't know anything about it. I don't know how it acts as a brine. Um, do you know anything about unsweetened cranberry juice? Mm, I'm trying to imagine it. Yeah, why not? Okay, yeah, sure. I've why seen not? it, and yeah. especially it tends to go with like cinnamon and allspice yeah, and yeah. nutmeg and that kind of stuff. do that for a turkey, sure. Yeah, but well, I... I don't know anything about What about it. adding alcohol? You can add alcohol, but this you don't want in a one-for-one. One. This you just kind of want to dribble and drab in. I mean, whiskey, rum, oh, I don't know, whiskey, rum, wine, port, Madeira, uh, all those kind of yeah, things. You're going to take a gallon of Madeira. No, 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 no. You want to you wanna basically replace about oh, a half a cup of a gallon yeah. of water with one of these. If you're using a cup of liquid, then you're talking about adding one or two tablespoons of whiskey. It's just a flavoring. In fact, yesterday when I brined that chicken, I cheated a bit. I wanted more flavor, but I didn't feel like heating the whole thing up. So I replaced a cup of my water with just a cup of jarred pickle brine. Oh, there you took, go. We had some some batomped pickled tomatoes in the refrigerator, so I poured a cup of that brine in it. Yeah, and especially, let me just say that we're going to talk about timing in just a minute and how long you brine things. But let me just say that adding these flavorings, these specifically these liqueur or liquor flavorings, you know, whether you're adding wine or port or Madeira or whiskey or rum or anything like that, 
it basically works better in the longer brines. It doesn't really work well in the one-hour brines. No, you want more time for that. Yeah, so the, the, the liquor is just a flavoring, so you just want to add just a little bit. Okay, so I'm gonna, I'm, we're gonna play a game here, and I'm gonna say some ingredients, and you're gonna tell me how long to brine them, okay? Ooh, wait, I gotta get the game show timing music okay. up. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so I got chicken parts like breasts and thighs and legs, or I got game hens and quail. How long do I brine those smaller bits of poultry? What is one hour? <laughs> I'm playing it like Jeopardy. <laughs> so I've got a pheasants. Oh, oh, fancy. Oh, pardon me, Queen Anne. <laughs> we got pheasants or pork chops. How long do I do pheasants, pork chops, or pork tenderloins? I would do two hours. Okay, there you go. So now we've got bigger cuts like i've got a whole chicken i got a turkey breast i got a pork loin how long or a pork shoulder how long do i do those that's a minimum of four hours you can go longer with the big things with the whole chicken with the whole pork one you can go up to eight hours don't go up with the small parts don't go up with the chops and the single chicken breast okay so we did the whole chicken and we did the turkey breast and we did the pork loin and we did the pork shoulder now let's talk about a whole turkey or one of those Big old fresh hams. Not We're not talking about smoke-cured hams, but fresh big old pork hams. Those are going to go 24 hours because you need a lot of time to get that in there. Yep, a long time in the brine. Bruce is right, 24 hours for those giant things. And good for you that you have a refrigerator that can hold the bowl that will hold that 20-pound fresh ham And you can get a crane to get it in and out of your refrigerator. You have to back a crane into your kitchen. It's a whole thing. So I hope you'll brine the next time you're going to do a bird or a pig. And please, you know what? Take pictures of what you did. Share it with us. We have a Facebook group called Cooking with Bruce and Mark, same as this podcast. Join that group and get in the conversation. We love talking about food, and we would love to see what you're doing. And we will see you back here the next time on Cooking with Bruce and Mark.